What? College matters. What? College, college matters. matters. Really? For sure. College matters. Alma, Alma matters. In engineering, if you do understand things, it's great. It's intellectually satisfying, and it and if you understand the system you're working on, you're more likely to be able to improve it. Mm-hmm. But understanding things, and, and my friend Glenn may disagree on this, but understanding things is not the fundamental goal of engineering. The fundamental goal of engineering is to make things that improve lives and help people. That is Kevin Plaxko, professor of bioengineering at the University of California, Santa Barbara. Hello, I'm your host, Venkatrama. Today's episode is on engineering in our podcast series on college majors to serve as a primer for high schoolers. Engineering is an applied science that has its origins in the BC era. While we may marvel at the engineering behind the pyramids of Egypt as one of the seven wonders, engineering today is an integral part of society, propelling game-changing advancements. Two engineering professors from the University of California, Santa Barbara, join us on our podcast today to give us an introduction to engineering. Glenn Belts, professor of mechanical engineering and the associate dean in the College of Engineering, and Kevin Plaxko, professor of bioengineering. In this podcast, the two professors first tell us what engineering is and then take us through a brief history of engineering the different branches of engineering, the emerging areas of research, and the skills needed to study engineering in college and the available opportunities once you graduate. Now, before we jump into the podcast, here are the high fives, five highlights from the podcast. Applying scientific principles to either do something useful, some useful uh, function, or to create something useful. And the, perhaps mm-hmm. the biggest of all, it's by some definitions, is sanitation. Mm-hmm. It's probably hard to imagine anything other than sanitation having saved more lives. We, human engineers have spent millennia understanding design systems and the principles of design. Mm-hmm. Can we use what we learn from that to understand the design rules that evolution has worked with? The emergence of the LED and mm-hmm. the, the blue LED in particular and, and how it, it can be used to uh, create, you know, all colors of the spectrum and to create a right kind of white light that you need for lighting. I think mm-hmm. that's been hugely groundbreaking for society. You've got to have a good understanding for what societal needs are, mm-hmm. and you've got to be able to, to communicate. So, mm-hmm. so just your, your writing and verbal communication skills, I, I would argue, need, need to be strong. These were the high fives brought to you by College Matters. Alma Matters. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts now. Without further ado, here's the podcast with Professors Glenn Belts and Kevin Plaxko. First of all, just want to welcome Glenn and Kevin to 
the podcast. So today we're going to be talking about engineering uh, for high schoolers, uh, at least with the idea of providing them a primer on what <coughs> engineering really is. And um, thought we could spend some time and talk about the various aspects of engineering. So Glenn, I thought maybe you could kick it off by you know telling us what engineering is or how do you how you see engineering. I guess I would see it say it that it is uh, applying scientific principles to either do something useful, some useful uh, function, or to create something useful. Uh, mm -hmm. so, to, so to do something or to, 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 to create something, some machine or structure or otherwise that's, that's going to serve some useful purpose to society. Hmm. But it's the idea so, of using scientific principles to, to, to come up with all of those good things. How do you think all this started? I mean, what, what might be the origins of engineering? I know it goes back way back in time. But... Sure. I mean, if you could go back to the BC times and there's mm -hmm. documented stories uh, that clearly are engineering related or, or engineering like. I mean, mm -hmm. there's lots of things you could read about, say, Archimedes. Uh, he's mm -hmm. He's credited with one of these um, sayings, give me a, a place to stand on and I'll move the mm -hmm. earth. And right. so he's credited with coming up with various things that used levers to, to, to do useful things or to use uh, um, rays from the sun to, <laughs> to, to, to do other, other certain things. But it, I'm sure it even goes yeah, how far it goes back depends upon how finely you define it, of course. I mean, the pyramids are 5,000 years old, and I assure you there was a lot of engineering that went into those. What might be some broad impact that engineering has had on our lives, on humanity? I mean, obviously we can rattle off a whole bunch, but maybe Glenn, you could kick it off, and then Kevin, you could uh, tell us more. Oh my, I'm sure I can only come up with things that are the tip of the iceberg, but sure. things like transportation, just being people being able to move far away from, from where yeah. they, they initially are, uh, communications, being able to, to communicate uh, across the, the world, I think has certainly been uh, hugely important uh, mm -hmm. part of society. You, you, you hear stories about um, even even within the, the previous century, like when an important an event happened, like like Pearl Harbor, you see stories sure. about the telegram being received several hours later in in, mm -hmm. in Washington, and, and of course now when something happens um, on the other side of the world, we pretty much know about it instantly. So I, I think communication is is another big big example, but certainly transportation, communication, um, oh. health. Two of my favorites, you know, uh, moving water mm -hmm. around to 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 improve farming, and the, perhaps mm -hmm. the biggest of all, it's by some definitions, is sanitation. Mm -hmm. It's probably hard to imagine anything other than sanitation having saved more lives. And sanitation is definitely an engineering effort, moving moving wastes around. And how did engineering get organized? Right, I mean, so there's so many different applications. I mean, you just rattled off 
uh, three or four here. But at some point, people started thinking about these in some organized fashion. Not sure when that happened, but all the different areas of engineering, uh, you know, started to emerge. So what might, what are the broad areas today and how did that evolve if we have an idea? So Glenn, and then maybe again, Kevin. Yeah, sure. I, th this, this is a topic that I think is just insanely uh, complex and mm -hmm. it depends who you talk to and you, you could go around the different universities and, and you see that, you could see it in, in how their yeah. engineering colleges are organized. You could go to some institutions and they will have the very traditional engineering disciplines. They'll have a mm -hmm. department of chemical engineering, civil engineering, electrical, mechanical. Um, mm -hmm. but, but you'll go to other universities and, and you'll see some different things. Uh, maybe mm -hmm. uh, either they'll, they'll, they'll more, uh, uh, they'll divide things up finally, uh, or, or, or maybe include some more modern things in there, but you'll, you'll have departments of say molecular engineering or mm -hmm. aerospace engineering or industrial engineering. Um, and, and, and so it, there's, there's really just a continuum and you, mm -hmm. you'll, you'll get into all these interdisciplinary things like, uh, yeah, I, I, I could just rattle off a few more, like you'll, sure. you'll, you'll, you'll see, um, Oh, I don't know, um, agricultural engineering, or I, I think I might have already mentioned biomedical engineering. Sure. Um, but but different different places tend to have different philosophies on how finally they they divide themselves up and organize themselves. But do you think do you think there's a, a basic construct here? Are there some fundamentals in engineering, and all these other things are derivatives, or do we think that all of them are sort of equally basic? I think there's there's a certain body of key concepts that mm -hmm. you're you're gonna have that are are common to to a whole bunch of different engineering disciplines. I mean, you're 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 gonna be studying physics and chemistry and math, the the absolute essential basics uh, mm -hmm. from within a whole bunch of those those engineering mm -hmm. disciplines. So, and, but maybe and, the most fundamental thing is the way engineers think. And the sure. way engineers look at the world, and we haven't introduced ourselves here, but uh, Glenn Glenn is a practitioner of a more traditional area of engineering, mechanical engineering, mm -hmm. and I myself am a bioengineer, which is perhaps the newest subdiscipline sure. under the engineering umbrella. And and the thing that links those together the most broadly is how we think about problems. So how how, how do you think, Kevin, that is different from say a basic scientist versus an engineer? Oh, well, my training actually is as a basic scientist. I've only become an engineer in the last 10 or 15 years. And, mm -hmm. and I always put it somewhat jocularly, but with a good grain of truth to it, I always put it this way. Uh, as a scientist, as a basic scientist, my goal was to understand things. And mm -hmm. it's all, that can be a little frustrating. We never know truly if we understand something. Mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a true aphorism in the sciences that there's no, experiments can never prove a theory. They can only disprove them. So right. no matter how good your theory is, you don't know if you, you're going to wake up the next day and discover that someone's figured out an experiment that disproves it. Right. In, con in engineering, if you do understand things, it's great. It's intellectually satisfying. And, it, and if you understand the system you're working on, you're more likely to be able to improve it. 
<laughs> but understanding things, and, and my friend Glenn may disagree on this, but understanding things is not the fundamental goal of engineering. The fundamental goal of engineering is to make things that improve lives and help people. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a much more tangible and demonstrable goal. I mean, I know if I've succeeded in engineering and in science, you're always wondering a little bit if you've actually succeeded. So I've enjoyed moving into engineering for that reason. No, that, that's a that's a great uh, great point. I mean, Glenn, what any any thoughts on that? I mean, I, I don't disagree whatsoever. You know, we talked a little bit about the areas of engineering and the emerging cross-disciplinary programs. Now, before we go any further, is there a reason why these cross-disciplinary programs are emerging, or is that something natural, or is that because? Um, there was a need for it. I mean, I, I'm just trying to see, sort of understand how did those sort of come about? Say bioengineering, for example. But bioengineering is a, is a bit of a special beast. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, so far we've been talking about the more traditional areas of engineering and even, and bioengineering fits in them in one way and that is a bioengineer, one of the things we bioengineers do is to try to engineer things out of biological materials, biological processes, building things mm -hmm. that are inspired by biology, biomimetic technologies that aren't quite biological themselves, but where we took a mechanism that evolution invented and apply it to a human problem. Sure. But um, more, I, more so than I think is true of the other sub-disciplines of engineering. In bioengineering, we have a very thriving effort that, that sort of flips that on its head. It says, look, Human engineers have spent millennia understanding design systems and the principles of design. Mm -hmm. Can we use what we learn from that to understand the design rules that evolution has worked with? Mm -hmm. So that, that's one thing I really like about bioengineering subdiscipline because it does absolutely flip traditional engineering on its head and say, hey, let's, let's, let's look at what we've learned as engineers and figure out this amazing system that's been handed to us on a platter, life, that we can study, mm -hmm. that we mm -hmm. humans didn't design ourselves. Sure. Now, what about some of the other ones, like biomedical, environmental engineering, you know, yeah, bunch of things? Biomedical engineering tends to be a more traditional branch of engineering, in my own view. Mm -hmm. right? that, is, that is engineers solving immediate medical problems using mechanical engineering or electrical engineering or any of the traditional fields of engineering. Okay. Whereas biological engineering is this idea of engineering things from biology, as I mentioned, mm -hmm. from biological components mm -hmm. or engineering things that are inspired by biology that mimic how biology solves problems. But, but biomedical engineering specifically is a more traditional area of engineering, in, in my view. a little bit along. Um, I thought we could spend a little time on sort of areas of research and development in engineering over the last few decades, and then we can talk about some emerging areas. So, you know, maybe we can split it into a little bit in the recent past and then looking ahead. Um, you know, Glenn, you want to kick that off and then... I just um, randomly looking at, at some of the the hot topics that, that are going on are around me and what mm -hmm. my colleagues are working on. For mm -hmm. example, I, I think a, a big part of it is relates to um, 
using uh, optoelectronics to, to do useful things. And that's not only for things like displays, but, mm -hmm. but lighting. So just mm -hmm. the, the emergence of the LED and mm -hmm. the, the blue LED in particular and, and how it, it can be used to uh, create, you know, all colors of the spectrum and to create a right kind of white light that you need for lighting. I think mm -hmm. that's been hugely groundbreaking for society, but that's that's been one of the critical um, uh, emerging and hot areas that, that's going on here at, at UCSB um, mm -hmm. but and elsewhere. Mm -hmm. uh, a, 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 another area might be um, high-performance materials, uh, mm -hmm. materials that... Sure. that can withstand high temperatures, uh, other extreme environments, uh, but also serve other useful functions. Like uh, one big area is blast resistant panels. So you can imagine mm -hmm. if you have a detonation in a, mm -hmm. in a luggage container, is, is there a way to design the luggage container to contain that instead of just mm -hmm. exploding and mm -hmm. causing all sorts of havoc uh, around it? So, um, and certainly there are a, a lot of things going on in the biomedical device area, biomedical engineering, but I'm, that, that's further away from my own discipline, so I'm, I'm not as qualified to, to talk about it. So maybe, Kevin, um, you know, I know that um, you're doing a lot of work in bioengineering, uh, uh, biosensors. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Um, what's hot, what's exciting, what's emerging? Well, what's exciting to me is that, you know, if you look around the biosphere, if you look at, you look at all the plants and animals and microbes around the, around the earth, mm -hmm. they face so many daunting physical and chemical challenges. Evolution has adapted life to live mm -hmm. such bizarre lifestyles and such broad and enormous range of conditions. When mm -hmm. you look at life from that perspective, it's obvious that some of the tricks evolution invented to solve those, to, to meet those challenges clearly should be of utility in the design of human technologies. Mm -hmm. and, and I think we've just scratched, we as engineers have just scratched the surface there. The potential mm -hmm. of biological engineering is amazing and, and we've really, really just barely scratched the surface. And I myself, I like wide open fields. That's why I was attracted specifically to biological engineering. So, so what are what are some specific things that you might call out in terms of adapting some of those evolutionary tricks? Well, you, like you, you referred them. to my own to my own research, for example. Yeah. Uh, um, clinicians, for example, have wanted to measure all, all kinds of molecules in the body in real time, monitor hormones to to, mm -hmm. to monitor fertility or or other other health uh, issues. Uh, monitoring drugs in the body to make sure that the right amount of drug is in you. Uh, mm -hmm. Historically, we've not been able to do that. It's for the, for the, the only molecule that we can, the only two molecules we can measure in the body in real time are glucose, which diabetics do, and, and right. oxygen, that pulse oximeter you put on your finger. Right. Uh, there, are, there were no technologies for measuring drugs in the body in real time. Biology, mm -hmm. in contrast, is really good at that. You are full of receptors right now that are responding quantitatively to specific molecular cues in real time. So mm -hmm. biology absolutely knows how to do that. We humans mm -hmm. have, had not. Uh, my mm -hmm. group, we said, well, how does biology solve that problem? And we dived, again, my background is actually in biology and not in engineering. And from mm -hmm. that perspective, we dove deep into what the mechanisms are that evolution's used to solve that problem, and we were able to adapt them to, to human needs. 
we, using those ideas, we invented an analogous technology, a technology that's directly analogous to how biology solves the problem, that is now the first ever platform technology that can measure molecules in the body in real time. We've used it to measure a dozen different drugs and uh, metabolites already. You know, this is fascinating, and, and a high schooler listening to this is going to think, okay, what do I need to sort of get into these areas? So maybe we can spend a little time on um, what kind of competencies and background do students need to develop or build in high school? And um, maybe, Glenn, you can start this discussion off. It, it, it's certainly a bunch. I think the obvious part of the answer is the science basics. Um, mm-hmm. um, I mean, clearly, you're, you're going to need to be good at math, as well mm-hmm. as the other science disciplines that are traditionally taught at the high school level, the, the, the physics, the, the mm-hmm. chemistry, and, and the biology. In terms of engineering, there's there's going to be softer skills that that you've got to be strong at as well. You've got to have a good understanding for what societal needs are, mm-hmm. and you've got to be able to to communicate. So mm-hmm. so just your your writing and verbal communication skills, I I would argue need need to be strong. So Kevin, I'd love for you to sort of talk about. Um, the interdisciplinary aspect of this. I mean, how, you know, obviously yours is a great case study uh, from chemistry to coming into engineering, but what, what would your sort of point of view be on this, on the skill side? And then how does one develop this kind of cross-disciplinary um, expertise, if you will? Well, yeah, that latter question is a good one. I, I wonder if I, I'm going to be lying in bed thinking of what a good answer to that is for the next several days, I think. Um, obviously, Glenn's right. Like, uh, uh, engineering is, is it's, it's, a, it's a part of STEM. It requires skills and background in math and science. And, and mm-hmm. take as many of those classes as you can and, and, and learn to love them. We, you, you can, we can reinvent ourselves, too, though. Right? As you noted, I'm a chemistry professor. But actually, my, my, in fact, my PhD is in biology. And then mm-hmm. I'm a chemistry professor, and, and until recently I was the director for the Center for Bioengineering here on our campus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think the key thing was, is learning how to think critically more okay. than any other, more than any specific bit of knowledge or skill set. I can pick up new knowledge. And, and the thinking critically part is something that you're, you're going to get quite a bit of experience in in your non-STEM courses. So I yeah. think that's that's one reason why those are so important, uh, developing your your critical thinking skills. Someone who's trying to enter college, um, I mean, engineering, there are obviously lots of fields, lots of areas. Um, what's what's some uh, what kind of guidance could we give or could you give students as to what to pick? I mean, whether mechanical or electrical or. Um, it's it's whatever you know being excited about something is is such a is an unfair advantage if you will Mm so you know going with your heart what what interests you what are you curious about what excites you so you're basically saying passion comes first or excitement comes first 
Um, I'll, I'll and, at least say that I've never seen a student really succeed without passion, at the very okay. least. So in, once they're in college, I mean, any, any guidance on the four years that they spend during the undergrad? What are, what are things they ought to be doing? Ooh, that's a tough one. But um, as, I, as I think on that, uh, students need to be good collaborators. They, they need to um, be able to, to work with other students and mm -hmm. just developing those, those, those kinds of skills uh, early on. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, don't, don't do your work in an isolated vacuum. Uh, mm -hmm. talk about mm -hmm. talk about your your assignments and your projects with your fellow students uh, certainly in things like design courses you're, you're going to have to do that because you're going to be working in teams you're going to be working with with other groups of students but but i i certainly am a strong proponent of working in 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 study groups and mm -hmm. sometimes that that gets students into trouble because perhaps they work a little too closely with each other and they turn in in work that the professor might not view as as being their their own but none, nonetheless it's it's still generally a a a good way to to go about your, your studies to, to build on what glenn has just said there i'll give you some advice mm -hmm. that i gave my kid who, who's now working on a phd in computer science speaking of engineering mm -hmm. um i said look find 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 people who challenge you. Find people who are smarter than you along some of the many axes along which intelligence lies. Right. And, and who will push you. Uh, likewise, I tell kids, to, you know, go to the best school you, you can get into because it will challenge you. And people, the people you hang out with will, will end up defining your educational experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's academics, of course. But what kind of stuff should they be doing, you know, in terms of research or in labs or uh, other projects? I mean, what, what kind of things should they seek out and do? Well, I would say just that they seek it out to begin with. Um, yes, exactly. Uh, don't, uh, don't be shy. Yeah. A, a, a lot of students don't, not that they have to, to do well, but you're going to get so much more out of the experience if, mm -hmm. if you seek out those um, Either it could be one-on-one -on -one, um, uh, research projects with with faculty members, or you could get involved in in a, in a lab on mm -hmm. a project. And honestly, in a lot of our majors, that is stuff that's optional. Okay, mm -hmm. but but those who do pursue it, uh, I think, end up getting so much more out of their education, and it pays dividends down the road, either when they're in later years in their undergraduate studies or if they go on to graduate school or industry or whatever, having that that experience of, of a hands-on independent research project uh, is always gonna gonna pay off, I think. Absolutely. Kevin, anything more? No, I nailed it. Don't be shy, knock on doors, make make opportunities for yourself. And research experience can help set, set you apart from everyone else when it comes time to do whatever it is you're going to do next. Um, okay. I do apologize, gentlemen. I only had a half an hour for this. I'm going to have to excuse myself. Okay. But I enjoyed chatting with you about this, and you've given me some questions to think further about. I look to doing <laughs> Okay. Sure thing. Thanks, Thank you. What kind of opportunities do students have? I mean, I know 
there are lots of opportunities for engineers. Yes. But what, what's a good way? What's a good way to think about career opportunities? The thing that makes it hard to answer is not mm-hmm. only is there a wide spectrum, um, mm-hmm. but but students tend or, or graduates tend to um, find out about themselves and change their focus in in the years after they graduate. But mm-hmm. if you just look at students, what they do when they get out, mm-hmm. uh, this applies to everywhere, engineering yeah. education everywhere, but, but uh, uh, a good fraction of them go work in industry somewhere. A lot of them go on to graduate school, not even necessarily in the same discipline that they mm-hmm. got their bachelor's degree in. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that has always fascinated me about engineering is the number of students who um, do something like go into medical school or law school or even mm-hmm. business school after mm-hmm. they get an engineering degree. Because, again, an engineering degree is not necessarily just a uh, a credential to go and practice engineering, it, it, it gives you a lot more skills, including those critical thinking skills that we talked about earlier mm-hmm. in this in this program. Uh, and, and those are skills that are uh, very, very important and helpful for someone in some of those other uh, professional disciplines like medical school or law school or, or what have you. Uh, the other thing we see a lot is students who might go and do one thing for a few years, but then do a radical shift. I mean, a good example is a mechanical engineering alumna who got her uh, degree uh, just two years ago, right prior to the pandemic, uh, came back and um, caught up with me in my office yesterday. And she is now feeling very passionate about wanting to get into education. So now she is considering applying for teacher education programs. And Mm -hmm. one of her goals now is to go and teach um, science, STEM, what have you, at the uh, elementary school level. So I I think that that was a very cool career choice that that she seems to be settling on. No, that's true. I mean, it's, it's one of these things where there's so many different opportunities. I mean, the question is, how do you decide and how do you kind of... Yeah, yeah. I think the thing you have to keep in mind is you're not locking yourself in to a certain yeah. track when you get an engineering degree. You, you, it's, it's, you have, you know, you have a wide range of options uh, ahead of you, whether you choose to pursue them now or later. You, you, you have those, those skills. Glenn, what I'd love to do next is really talk to you about how you got into, in your case, yeah. field science and then engineering. And then we, I want to kind of uh, drill down on a couple of different aspects. Yeah. Um, and and, and I, 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 this is one of those areas that I have been thinking about since, since you and I first started talking. And sure. it, it's, if, if, you, if you trace back to my earlier education, I, there was some kind of trigger maybe around 10th grade where, mm-hmm. where before I was kind of just lost drifting, had no good sense of what I was good at or what I wanted to do. And then something about math just clicked. 
and mm -hmm. I started taking not only the required math courses, but some of the uh, elective ones at well, mm -hmm. and just mm -hmm. discovered that I enjoyed it. I did well mm -hmm. in it. Mm -hmm. And it also just happens to be the case that my dad is a material scientist. Mm -hmm. And actually, he was trained as a metallurgical engineer. And mm -hmm. of course, he pushed that as a discipline, <laughs> as a field of study. And I sure. maintained, uh, perhaps just out of a sense of being rebellious, that, that I would never go into that. I, I, I swore up and down while I might go to college and study engineering, I'm not going to go into metallurgy or, or materials. Uh, but by the time I graduated from high school, um, I had continued to do well in, in math and, and the other various science topics. And it was pretty clear that I, I wanted to pursue engineering broadly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And at the time, most engineering schools didn't make you pick a major going sure. in. That's a little different now, uh, yeah. but but at, by the by the end of my first year of college, lo and behold, I, I picked material science, mm -hmm. and uh, kind of the opposite of of what I was threatening to do for for a number of years. <laughs> but I, I liked the courses, I liked the teachers, but I, I think one of the attractive things about the discipline, mm -hmm. not that it's the only discipline that's like this, but. Uh, it, it, it's one of those disciplines that not a lot of students went into. So your your class sure. sizes were small. Your student to faculty ratio was was small, and there was more of a tight knit community within such a department. And I, I found mm -hmm. that I thrived in that kind of kind of environment. So I yeah. I you know I, I pursued materials. Um, I I one of the things I learned through taking electives throughout the rest of my education is is that I really enjoyed the, the mechanical engineering aspect of it, the mathematical analysis, structural side of things. And, and that's mm -hmm. where I uh, drifted to in terms of graduate school. You know, how do you realize that you're good at something, right? Yes. Uh, and, and so, you know, it, it sounds like you were good um, in, on all the STEM courses and areas, but how did you make that sort of leap to engineering and realize that you were good at it to pursue, not just after, you know, after graduating, going into grad school and so on and so forth? It, that's a tougher one to answer. <laughs> I yeah. think when, when I finally got to graduate school and, and was doing something that was more engineering related, I think there's just, just it was a feeling of satisfaction of doing something useful with the scientific principles that I was studying, mm -hmm. uh, being able to make a um, difference for some other uh, development that was going on. You know, engineering and science are inherently collaborative. So it's not right. just about what you do. It's right. what other people are doing as well. And being able to help other engineers and be develop stronger materials or, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, but, you know, materials that could withstand harsher environments and, and, and having the satisfaction of the things that, that you did uh, kind of helped directly with that effort, I think is, is a very important part of it. Mm -hmm. Now, um, you know, why, why did you choose academia? Why did you decide to go there? <laughs> oh, I, that, that's, that's a good question. And it's one of those 
deals where I didn't consciously decide that early on. I think I went mm-hmm. through most of graduate school not thinking that I would go down the education route. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it was driven by the economy at the time. When, when mm-hmm. I was applying for jobs towards the end of grad school, mm-hmm. uh, it, it just was a, a very downtime for the economy. Mm-hmm. And there just were no good um, opportunities. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the same time, I very much enjoyed the research I was doing, the working with other students, and it it just became more of a natural thing. Hey, maybe maybe I should be looking at some of these these uh, academic positions. And one thing led to another. I ended up being a postdoc at a different institution, and uh, the 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 the. the the research I was working on, the project related to materials, mm-hmm. um, the the faculty I was working with back back east were heavily interacting with and collaborating with faculty at UCSB. So I, I kind of came to know the, the faculty here even well before I applied for a job here. And mm-hmm. that, that definitely uh, um, led was a key in, in UCSB being one of the several schools I applied to. And um, just one thing led to another, and, and here I am. Fabulous. And you've been there how many years now? Almost 30 years. And don't, oh. don't regret it. Don't regret that for an instant. I, I'm, I'm, I've always been very confident I, and happy that I, 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 made, I made a wise choice. So let me ask you one last question then. Yes. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, obviously, you've been doing this for 30 plus 30 years now. You're enjoying every minute of it. Now, what makes it very satisfying? What, what is the satisfying aspect of this? Or is there one thing or is it just a series of things? I'd say one thing. It's seeing other students succeed. Hmm. And um, when I first started in this job, I think it was more about the research, more about hmm. the projects. Hmm. But as I evolved and grew throughout my career. I think I embraced the teaching side of it more than I thought I ever would. And mm-hmm. so it's it's looking at the bigger picture of the impact that those other students are making as they go out. That's where I think my biggest impact is. Um, teaching and inspiring um, students who are going out and doing all sorts of different things in, in different areas all over the world. Absolutely, absolutely. That must be really, really satisfying. Very like I, I, uh, it kind of ties into the example I mentioned a few moments ago of the alumna coming back yeah, yeah, who, yeah. who herself is going to go into an education career. But I enjoy speaking with these students years after they graduate and learning about what they've done either in the medical profession or the legal profession or even, you know, in the engineering world in which they're still working as practicing engineers it's just also also uh satisfying to me to to, to see them doing good things no so glenn this is awesome this was a um, great discussion i thank you and kevin for taking the time yeah my pleasure what what engineering is all about and i hope to talk more in the future we can have different conversations but for now take care be safe thank you 
Thank you. Yep. Take care. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. Hi again. Hope you enjoyed our podcast on engineering with professors Glenn Belts and Kevin Plaxco of the University of California Santa Barbara. Professors Belts and Plaxco gave us a great overview of engineering, the emerging research areas, the opportunities and what it takes to do undergraduate study in engineering. I hope this podcast inspires you to learn more about engineering. For your questions or comments on this podcast, please email podcast at almamatters.io with the subject line engineering. Thank you all so much for listening to our podcast today. Transcripts for this podcast and previous podcasts are on almamatters.io forward slash podcasts. To stay connected with us, subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, or visit anchor.fm forward slash alma matters to check us out. Till we meet again, take care and be safe. Thank you. College Matters. Alma Alma matters. Matters.